fire department, so thank you, both chiefs. From the land use trade attorney with uh, Lisa Phipps of the uh, Department of Land Conservation and Development. From the presentation and discussion with the chamber, and uh, from a coffee with Jim Knight, board director. And I've also learned uh, by what historians are talking with me about. With one exception that I can think of, people have approached me to talk about one thing, the planned hotel at the foot of Second Street. They don't understand why the council approved it. And when I talked with them about zoning and outright permitted uses and how the council has limited authority in such cases and has to adhere to the existing code, they all ask the same thing. What are you going to fix the code? So it occurs to me that no developer or single property owner has to consider our city's sewer capacity, our traffic loads, our housing for workers, or where staff is going to park, or other people's views, or even what people who live here want their city to be. But I believe we do. So as we move forward next month with our work sessions and goal setting, and consider what we can actually do something about, I hope that we can come together on this as a priority, I think as the priority. And that's the end of my prayer for the day. <laughs> Thank you. Councilor West. Well, that's a hard act to follow. Um, I'm just really excited to be here. Uh, it's I'm new here, so um, I want to echo a bit of what Joan said in thanking a lot of folks for reaching out to me, um, offering help, uh, offering just having a coffee or lunch, um, and, and just talking to people in and outside of my ward. Um, it's just been an incredible experience to have received uh, such a warm welcome. Um, and I want to give a big thanks. I don't see her here, so which is probably good that she doesn't work all the time. But Jen Benoit has been super helpful um, behind the scenes getting all of my uh, stuff together. So that's all I have to report. Thank you. I have a lot to report. Apparently this mayor job is really busy. <laughs> uh, Saturday I provided a welcome address to the Indivisible North Coast Oregon Group and also sat on the How to Run for Office panel that afternoon and participated with them in the Women's March. There was a full house in the Lovell showroom for the INCO event, so that was nice to see. The level of community support from and donations from individuals, businesses, and organizations in our community to assist those many, many people our neighbors whose paychecks have been terminated because of the shutdown has been really heartwarming. As just one example uh, of many examples, this afternoon I was at the Moose Lodge where uh, Tracy Johnson, who's their coordinator, had coordinated a fundraiser last week, a nice dinner, and uh, they presented, uh, as a result of their fundraising efforts, they presented a check for $10,435 to the Chief Petty Officer Association uh, today, which will go towards federal furloughed uh, workers. And that was in addition to the Moose collecting over a thousand pounds of donated food that they took to the food pantry. And the, uh, the Coast Guard chiefs just want me to express their appreciation to the entire community for that generous spirit that the community has shown ever since this started. And as I contrast all this goodwill and uh, community involvement uh, with the report in the paper about the KKK flyers posted around town, I. You know, I, I note that the, uh, the sick individual or individuals who posted those flyers are vastly outnumbered by the rest of us and all those good citizens who do the good work of this community on a daily basis and who have nothing but 
contempt for the racism and hatred that are represented by those flyers that we saw in town. You know, Estorians aren't going to put up with that garbage. And I appreciate the effort of the APD to uh, track down the source, although I know that could be difficult. Uh, this afternoon, I met with uh, Congresswoman Bonamici's field representative, Allie, with many of you know Allie uh, Mayeda. Uh, the Congresswoman was going to be here, but she had to go back to Washington um, to discuss various local issues. And she actually had sat down today and, and met with, um, I know she met with you too, uh, Councilor Herman. She did. And she met with Coast Guard uh, spouses to talk about their, what they're enduring with, without paychecks. <laughs> Uh, the Congresswoman is going to take some of those stories to, uh, to the Capitol when they discuss legislation later this week. On the 12th of January, I was honored to be a guest speaker at a memorial service at the Maritime Museum for the several dozen Coast Guard men and women whose lives have been lost doing life-saving rescues over the past many decades on the Oregon coast. And there were about 175 people there. Many of them are older retirees living on a pension, which they won't get this month unless it's resolved by the 30, 31st. There were additionally some life-saving crews who have gone out there just in the past two weeks and, and rescued our local crabbers and fishermen on the Oregon coast who also did not get paid while they were risking their lives. On the 10th of January, you should know that the, the City Council Planning Commission, Design Review Committee, Historic Landmarks Commission all met jointly. I think it's the first time we've met jointly and did some training on land use uh, law and uh, policies. And I, I hope that we're able to do some joint training a couple times a year from now on so that we can all learn from each other's experiences and, and also leave Oregon City advice. I, I want to note that you'll, there'll be a press release soon, but on the 25th of February, Monday all day, there'll be a goal setting session for council, which is open to the public. Uh, like uh, Councilor Herman and Councilor West, I was pleased to attend the co-op groundbreaking on Friday. It's great to see a local business expanding and thriving. And then uh, finally, I want to note that I'm going to hold my first Meet the Mayor event. It's going to be Wednesday, the 30th of January, uh, from 12 to 1 at the library in the flag room. And I'll probably shift dates and times around in the future so that different people with different schedules have an opportunity to attend. Mayor, if you uh, don't mind, I have one introduction to make at the top of the meeting, if you don't mind. Please do. So I'd uh, like to be able to introduce um, our new Parks Director, Tim Williams. Uh, Tim, Tim's first meeting was actually the Joint uh, Planning Commission, City Council, HLC, and Design Review Committee meeting, but, but this is his first full meeting, and I just wanted to publicly introduce Tim uh, to everyone in attendance. Uh, Mr. Estes, are there any changes to the agenda? Um, there are no changes to the agenda. Okay, next is the consent calendar. Items on the consent calendar are considered routine and will be adopted by one motion unless a member of the council requests to have any item considered separately. Members of the community may have an item removed if they contact the city manager by 5 p.m. on the day of the meeting. Have any items been requested to be removed by the public? No public requests. Okay, and I've asked for item uh, 5D to be removed. Uh, does council have any other items to be removed? All right, then could I have a motion to approve items uh, 5A through C? I move that we uh, approve the consent calendar items A through C. I'll second that motion. Okay, could we have a, uh, a roll call vote, please, Ms. Brooks? Councilman Herman? Yay. Aye. Councilor Rocco? Aye. Councilor West? Aye. And Mayor Jones? 
Aye. And so um, I asked to remove the Community Development Department update just to ask a couple of questions for clarification for us and for the public. First of all, I want to thank the Community Development Department, who's still headless, for doing great, great work. And uh, if we had had questions in the past about enforcing short-term rental code violations, can you just kind of update us on where we are with that? Sure. So um, as you may recall, the City Council passed a new short-term rental uh, permit uh, and code language, which went into effect um, recently. And that uh, passage happened um, in December of last year. Our Community Development Department staff between uh, Nancy Ferber and also Rosemary Johnson, who are both in the audience, have been working together with the other Community Development Department staff to start rolling out this new permit process. And uh, we'll be having people applying for those permits here fairly shortly. You may also recall that there is a uh, phase two of this uh, homestay lodging permit where there is a set of development code amendments that are required to be able to make the municipal code, the city code, and the development code uh, jive with one another uh, language-wise. And uh, Ms. Johnson has been working on that, and it's anticipated that that's going to be hitting the Planning Commission in March of, uh, of this year. And, and so uh, that is ongoing. In addition, we have brought on a new contract planner, uh, Heidi, um, I'm a, I may butcher her last name, Nancy, correct me if I'm wrong, is it Dublack? Dubeck. Uh, Heidi is uh, a, a professional planner um, who owns a store downtown and um, she has been brought on to be able to assist on uh, the on code enforcement issues and most particularly uh, with the homestay lodging permit uh, issues. Uh, the top of her list is dealing with a whole house rental. Um, any violations there where there are whole houses being rented uh, for uh, occupancy as, as a transient lodging, uh, which is not permitted per our development code or uh, homestay lodging ordinances. So um, in addition to that, um, our building official serves as our code enforcement officer as well. And it's kind of a, a dual hat role. And in the winter time, typically this is a slower building permit time However, it's not proving to be as so uh, this time of year. We've had some fairly large permitting um, that's, that's happened between the co-op and between the new dialysis clinic going up along the waterfront. But uh, Tony Clifton, our, our building official and code enforcement officer, is also now uh, able to start picking up on, on some other items, um, dealing with nuisance violations, um, high weeds, garbage, those types of things. Great, thank you very much. And could you also update us on the uh, hiring process for the community development director? Sure. So um, we've uh, gone through another process of, of recruiting a community development director, and that uh, has not uh, proved to be a, a, a fruitful process. And so at this point, uh, we are going through and I'm going to be looking at hiring a, uh, a consultant to be able to assist in the recruitment process. Someone who specializes in uh, public agencies and um, I've asked our human resources staff, um, particularly Ashley Houston, 
uh, under the direction of Susan Brooks, uh, to be able to contact those firms and be able to get prices and some of the um, some of the things they would bring to the table in terms of services. And I got that report today. So um, we're going to be a meeting tomorrow to be able to go over um, the different recommendations and look at um, being able to to bring on a recruiter here sometime very soon. Great, thank you. And one thing I wanted to note for the public, uh, if they didn't have a chance to read the attachment on the agenda, was that the Uniontown Reborn project will have its next uh, public meeting on Wednesday, February 6th, and there'll be a press release forthcoming, uh, I think, later this week with more details on that meeting. And then finally, uh, Councillor Raka had a very eloquent summary of an issue uh, Going back to last year, from our December 20th meeting, I think I made, when we finalized the Fairfield Hotel vote, I think I made the comment that, uh, you know, if, we, if, if there's a community sentiment that they don't want four-story four hotels in the Bridge Vista Overlay Zone, as Council Rocky indicated, more eloquently than I am right now, we need to look at the code. So could you, for the edification of the new council and also the public, just talk briefly about what would be the process involved if we were to attempt to amend the code? Sure. So. For any code amendment, uh, there is, first of all, a notice requirement that is required. Well, first of all, you have to decide, we have to decide what is the proposed, proposed language. And many times that in itself um, can take some time. Uh, for instance, with the urban core portion of the Riverfront Vision Plan, uh, we've been working with the Planning Commission since um, this last August was the, the first Planning Commission meeting we had to work with them to determine what sort of language is desired. And we're still in the work session phase. We're, we're hoping that we're, we're getting close, um, but uh, the Planning Commission is going to be meeting again next week to continue the dialogue as to what they um, would propose to recommend to Council. Um, after the desired language is, is developed, we then have a requirement where we have to provide notice to the Department of Land, Conservation, and Development, DLCD. It's a state agency, the State Urban Planning Agency, before we have a public hearing at the Planning Commission. Planning Commission holds their hearings, and it could be one hearing, it could be multiple hearings, depending on how long it takes. And then they uh, would provide a recommendation to City Council. There's another public notice requirement before City Council, and then the City Council would consider um, the amendments at a public hearing as long as they chose. Typically, if you're looking at a, uh, I'm going to say, a, an easy, straightforward code amendment, you're looking at about five to six months is an easy, straightforward process for any code amendments. If it's more complex, um, because there's need to be more time to develop to develop the proposed language or through public hearings, um, you know that, that time can expand. One thing I will note is um, I mentioned earlier that um, Rosemary Johnson is working on code amendments for uh, the short-term rental uh, codes. At the same time, um, there are some other code amendments that are. Uh, going to be tracking along simultaneously and that deals with uh, uh, with there's some cleanup um, that's uh, needed in our development code throughout the years our community development staff has just found um, typos or different errors that need to be adjusted that's going to propose to be added on there as well as there is the the issue of uh, warming centers 
Uh, this is an issue that the Planning Commission had worked on last year uh, and held uh, work sessions to be able to develop some, some code language, and that's anticipated to be brought forward. Part of the, while there are multiple items um, being brought forward at the same time, part of the reason why we're aggregating this is that there is something which is referred to as a ballot measure 56 notice, and this was referred to at the land use training by Lisa Phipps. Uh, whenever there is a code provision which could uh, potentially affect um, a property value, we are required to provide notice to those individuals. So we're looking at providing, um, at having to provide um, a public hearing notice to all Astoria residents um, for these code amendments. And that is a very extensive and expensive endeavor. Um, and we wanted to be able to do that all at the, at the same time, even though there are multiple issues. So that's, that's what's actually in process right now with, uh, with Ms. Johnson. And Rosemary, did I catch everything? Pretty close. <laughs> There's a lot going on with this with interpretations, and uh, it's going to be quite lengthy looking at updating the code. Well, thank, thank you very much, and thanks, Rosemary and Nancy, for all the work that you're doing. You know, it's a lot with the Uniontown Reborn and Bridge and, and the uh, Urban Core of the Urban Vision Plan, potentially Bridge Vista Overlay Relook. It's a lot of work. So, whenever you hire that new person, if they won't be wondering what they'll be doing for the next few years. Our regular agenda items. All agenda items are open for public comment following deliberation by the, I'm sorry, I have to go back to item D. So you, I mean, yeah, there's, other, you don't, there's no, um, this is for information purposes only, and so there is no action required on the Community Development Department report. So, oh, okay. so you can move on. Okay, great, thank you. Uh, agenda, excuse me, uh, even though it's part of the consent calendar that we did, Yes, because this is um, the reports are just purely for information purposes only, and so act, no action is required. All agenda items are open for public comment following deliberation by the City Council. Uh, rather than ask for public comment after each item, I'll ask audience members to raise their hands if they want to speak to the item, and you'll be recognized. In order to respect everyone's time, comments are limited to three minutes. Item 6A, public hearing vacation of a portion of the right-of-way on 26th Street, northwest of Harrison, abutting adjacent underdeveloped lots. So the City of Astoria has received a request from John Wood on behalf of Adela Wood to vacate a 60 by 150-foot portion of the 26th Street unimproved right-of-way, which is abutting two parcels of Ms. Woods. And Jimmy, if you go at this is an exhibit. And I would note that this, uh, this portion of right-of-way um, includes no utilities um, and no street improvements. There is a delay. Yes, we were having some delays tonight with our group. And it was determined that uh, the city would have no future need of this particular portion of right-of-way. And so our public works department has uh, brought this forward for consideration. Staff has calculated the real market land value of properties adjacent to this property as 97 cents per square foot. And staff is proposing that an assessment of $869.82 or 10% of the real land value be considered for the vacation. I would note that this is a standard protocol that the city of Astoria has used when applying a fee associated with uh, the uh, street vacation request. 
So tonight it's recommended that the council conduct a public hearing and if in agreement, hold a first reading of the ordinance to vacate a portion of the 26th Street right away. Public hearing is now opened. Would anyone like to comment? If you'd like to comment, please come up to the podium oh, sure. and just state your name and address, please. Good evening, Sam Devereaux. I live at 2627 Grand, so I'm a, a, an adjacent property owner. And I have some I have some concerns about this. One is uh, uh, it's, it's, it's involved really close to the slide zone. So uh, what I'm concerned about is that uh, when you join these two pieces of property, uh, it gives them a large piece of property that would have potential uh, with a lot of you know, engineering and whatnot. But it makes it so the scale of the job could justify like a very large building there at some point. And, and so I just want to go on record as being against this vacation. Thank you. Please come up. Uh, my name is Betty Hogan and I live on 24th Street. And my property does too adjoin uh, John and I just know as Julianne. Uh, that property, I, I got offered to buy out, to, for them to buy me out. Um, there's no place on earth I want to live. It's worth more than 10 million to me. So I'm not going, and uh, but I thought about it a lot. But um, no, I'm going to stay. But the whole thing is, is that <clears throat> my husband and I at the time we brought in 225 dump trucks of rock, and we we paid for all this excavation and earth moving and and all this, and we created this beautiful place. But the reason that we had to do that was because our home was sliding away. There was a big gully. It's hard to describe, but I'm, I'm kind of animated with my hands. But anyway, um, there's this great big gully, and we filled it in. And, um, and on my property is the Harrison Slideout Street. I, don't, I probably don't know how to say that right. But it's where the slid, slide in 50s on Irving. There were seven homes in there that all slid down. So the back of my house, that's where Harrison ends. It doesn't go anywhere now because it's all slided away. But we put in 180 feet of culvert to go under the, all this rock that we brought in. And up on Irving, I get nervous. Um, up on Irving, there's a, uh, what do you call that, where the rain washes down and uh, goes. A drain. Yeah, and, <laughs> and um, it was so old that it washed out, but there's a natural creek now that goes down in this, and then we connected the natural creek and put this 108 feet of cul culprit in there. So, uh, I've met with John and, and Julianne a couple times. They're great people. I have no problem with it. My concern is that there is a very much <clears throat> a slight area. There's a house in front of me that the retaining wall 10 years ago was like this. And so he had to bring that up with a pumper truck. I don't know what I'm trying to say is that. Uh, 
I don't see I don't see this happening, but you know, I just wanted to state that I am on that property right right there. Thank you. Thank you very much. My name is Martha McConnell, and we live at 724th Street, and our property is runs alongside of where they do this development. I've talked to the city engineers a couple of times, and the the two lots that that are the closest to 24th Street, they are not on the slide map. The he has two lots that are up a ridge and over, and the corner of one of those lots is on the slide map. But I don't really understand that as Betty was talking about um, when we moved into our house 30 feet away on the left hand side there was a house sitting there that had come down the hill from somewhere. So I, I doesn't, I think it is a very um, unusual piece of land and I think it, we really need to consider carefully what happens there. It's also a huge runoff. Water just pours down Harrison. There's a trail that we live down that turns into a literal creek. There's a flight of stairs that becomes a waterfall and it goes around my house as a little creek and goes on down the hill. So it's a special place and I think it's a fragile place. So I have a lot of concerns. Thank you. Thank you. Chris Ferrar, I live at 3023 Harrison Avenue in Astoria. Uh, the property in question is just down the street from me a ways. Um, my issue really is that uh, Astoria isn't exactly flush on cash and um, we can barely keep our parks in shape. Um, we're trying to get rid of some of our parks. <laughs> Um, we own a library, but we're going to have to do that with grant money and donations from people. Uh, the city doesn't maintain any kind of facility for homeless people or shelter on cold nights. So there's not like there's a lot of money in town. So I'm kind of curious as how this price of less than $1,000 was set for a property that's 9,000 square feet. I own property, as I say, at 3023 Harrison. I have a 5,000 foot square foot lot there, and its real market value is on the last tax bill was $84,612, which comes out to $16.92 a square foot. The price that was set by the city staff was 97 cents per square foot. Why set the price so low when the city doesn't have money and has a lot of issues that need money? People are paying a big surcharge on fixing our, on our water bills to fix the sewer system, which I'm all for. We should fix our sewer system. But again, the city needs money, and if we're going to sell city assets, there's almost 10,000 people in this town. Those people deserve to get a fair price for any asset sold. I think that the price of this property should at least be 10 times greater than what's being asked. 
and probably closer to what my land value is at $85,000. A 9,000 square foot lot means there's the potential for building a, a multifamily dwelling on that house and it gives somebody great business opportunity. I hadn't considered the slide stability issue, but I think that of course is extremely important and I feel for the people whose property is adjacent to this and could be adversely affected. I hope you deny this vacation um, and if not, at least raise the price up by a factor of 10 if not uh, 40. Thank you. Is there any other uh, public comment? So some questions were raised about the slide zone here. Mr. Harrington, is that something that you looked at or like to comment on? Uh, since this is not a development proposal, um, when, when it came in for a development proposal, that would be considered in, in proper engineering and be required. What this would do is, um, if they tried to build on either of the existing lots that they own, they'd be restricted to a very tight area that could require steeper cuts, those higher retaining walls, but you know, more complicated construction. Where in this, their proposal is to build one home with a larger area with build in the room to, to do that you know, more confidently with proper engineering. Um, but once again, that would be addressed stage. And then uh, as far as value, all we can do is go off the county assessor's uh, values. And these properties, since they're undeveloped, currently have a relatively low value in the assessor's database. That's all we do is go off that average. We, we need to, we can't just arbitrarily increase the price. We need to set it the same way we've set all of them in the past, just out of fairness to everybody else. Um, Correct. I think I, I understood, this came up at the last meeting, that this is not city property. We don't own it. It is owned by the property owners. We, it's, we, serve, we just have a uh, right-of-way, utility right-of-way, that keeps them from building on it. Basically, what we're vacating is our rights. Street right, it's kind of through street, it's potential utility, but it's just a right-of-way that the city Right now. Yeah, I mean, in, this is this is a right-of-way vacation, which is different than a, a property sale. Right. Um, and so, a, a property that the city owns outright is something where there's a negotiated price, and and we get appraisals. In this uh, application, you're correct, and that this is a right-of-way vacation where the the way the ownership would split is that if it were vacated, it would revert back uh, to the adjacent uh, property owners um, in question. In this case, the same people because they own the lots on both, both sides. Um, and in terms of coming up with the price, um, this is just, as this has been the methodology that has been utilized over, over the years um, with regards to right-of-way vacations, which is different than uh, negotiating a price for a property. Right. So this is just a fee that, that the city is collecting to uh, do the process. I have one more question. Am I allowed to come up? And yeah, I haven't closed the public hearing yet, so please come up. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I was wondering, I couldn't understand this map when I got it in the mail. I have old other maps, but I'm not sure where they're going to come in on 26. Is that what that, that this map that I have is? 
I'm so, not sure where they want to vacate. So, Jeff, do you want to come around and over here and, and point? It would be easier for you to because go my find the cheese. It's not even on that map. It's over on 24th. But it's still at James Adjoins' property. Well, Sorry. So at this time, I'm not sure exactly where they would construct their access because they haven't proposed it yet. But it would have to be either Harrison or 26. And I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what the trend looks like. But this is the area to be vacated. And as you can see, the entire area to the north has already been vacated. So this, this right-of-way, 26, would have gone all the way through at one time. And just so, well, so just so you understand that this property, there, the roads don't exist right now. It's just, yeah, yeah. So it's right above where 26 exists below ground. But you, you'd have to climb through the woods up there and to I have, that spot. I go in there, yeah. But it would be right in the middle. You know, and so the utilities would come in on 20 on there? So there are no utilities. So what, what are, is proposed here is to vacate this right away, the area that's in red on the exhibit. As to how they would build, we don't know at this point in time. We don't have, as the city uh, public works director said, we don't have a development proposal at this point in time. If they were to build a house, they would then need to figure out how are they going to connect to water lines, to sewer lines, how would they gain access, and, and that would come out as a part of a development, a subsequent development proposal. Man, um, I'll, I'll go into the public hearing and then we'll open up for council discussion if there's no more public comment. I'd like to make one more comment on this. As, as you look at this, as I understand this, they own this. Yes, you'll, you'll need to say your name and address again, please. Oh, sure. Sam Devereaux, uh, I live on Grand Street. They own this piece and they own this piece. So when you include this piece, that makes an extremely large piece, which gives them the potential for an extremely large project. Uh, you know, I'm talking like, once again, your three or maybe even four stories, depending on how you both decide the code goes. Whereas, if they don't have this, they, they're, con they're constricted by the square footage of these lots. Thank you. Whereas, all three of them together make a fairly significant piece of property. I'll now close the public hearing and open for council discussion. I have a question, if I may. Uh, I, I thought I understood, as, as Councillor Brownson did, that the applicant already owned this lot. And, but I, I'm not sure that I understood that from what uh, what you just said. So the app, the the way right of way works is there is a public right which is given over this area. Right. The determination as to whether to release that public right is before you as the council tonight. <laughs> and the ownership rights, and in, in, if you look at survey and land law, the, the ownership rights underneath are, I mean, would, or can be seen as the adjacent properties own it. However, the caretaker, and the right away in this case is the city of Astoria. If the city council votes to release those public access and, and utility needs, those rights, then the land reverts back 
to the ownership of the adjacent property owners. Okay, I kind of I kind of get all of that. I guess I'm just wondering if the the um, the applicant has actually bought and paid for this property at some point and, and is actually theirs, and we're just we no. have the right to okay. So no, it's no, it's no. sort of a no man's land right now. Well, it's it's right away. It's 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 area that 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 is shown on any county tax assessor maps as as right away, which is open to uh, and and available to to public use. And what is being brought is a request to say, City of Council, how do you feel about releasing that public need of that uh, subject property and have it revert into um, into private ownership? And one more short question, if I may, is is it common to vacate a right of way uh, uh, absent a development proposal? Is there, would those normally come at the same time or are they normally separated like this? Um, it could come in different ways. I would say that most of the time, the ones that you'll see are ones like this, where someone, you have an adjacent property owner that, that has a desire to be able to use that property for some reason. I've got some questions. Um, I'm curious, first of all, how do we, I realize there's no development proposal before the council at this point, but do we know about the geologic stability of the land? Or the history of slides there? I know some. Well, I'm just trying to find out if we have a, a report, a geologist's report on that, but thank you. Yeah, we just we just know what, what the history is from, like, like um, some of the audience had said based on, on history. No, there's until they propose what they're going to do, there's no target development for a, a geologist or a geotechnical engineer to make evaluation of. So in this case here, um, the development proposal with with the condition of the terrain and the slide issues is going to be very expensive. They're going to spend a lot of money on engineering and architecture and, and professionals, geologists, and geotechnical engineers to do that. So. It's kind of like a chicken and egg thing, you know. You spend all that money before you, then you then get turned down for the vacation, and it's all for, you know, wasted. Or do you get the vacation first, and um, and then forge ahead with all that investment and infrastructure, uh, research and planning. Is the land wooded now? Yes. And is the slope steep? It's relatively steep. Okay. And are all three lots? Uh, both the one to be vacated, if it is vacated, and the uh, lots on either side, are they all vacant? Yes. Okay, thank you. Well, yeah, and just to reiterate what Mr. Harrington said, I mean, speculation about what the individual intends to do with the property if it's vacated, whether it's to keep it as a wooded area to enjoy, knowing the city can't get on there anymore, or whether it's to build a greenhouse or do something else, I mean, that would have to be dealt with when the individual chooses to do so. And then issues of ge geological stability, et cetera, would have to be uh, gone through the city planning process at that point. So I, I don't think we would want to deny a vacation on the grounds that the speculation about what the property owner might do in the future if we haven't had that conversation. I had a question kind of along those lines. I mean, is there a way to maybe let this, does 
does the property owner know the associated costs with uh, potentially building? Because the concern sounds like a living structure or some type of large structure or house or something that could compromise the stability of the area. Um, I've, I'm just wondering if there's a way to have that conversation with them, if that, not to deter them necessarily from um, using the property in the way that they want, but just realistically, if, do, they, do they understand how difficult it might be to, to build something there? If I were to have this discussion, if I were a property owner, um, it's on me to figure that out. Uh, and, and if I have a piece of property, uh, kind of a really loose example, when I was looking for a, a house here in Astoria, I looked at this piece of property up on Lexington and uh, 8th, I think. And it's just, and it was just, it, the price was right, like 50 grand, something like that. And I thought, this is a great deal. And I went and walked around the property, and you know, it was very steep. Talked to some of the neighbors and said in the winter, water, a whole gush of water comes out of the middle of it. And I kind of looked around and I thought, this is going to be expensive to try and build a house here because there are a lot of problems with this one. And I walked away. So it's really a matter of, uh, for me, also trusting that our public works department, that our engineering department, when these applications come forward, they bet them very well. And they will put all the requirements necessary to create a, a stable footprint. And whatever costs associated with that, the homeowner's going to have to figure that out and figure whether that's worth it. And you can see why they would want to vacate first and then kind of know what, where they're going on this. And it sounds like the land is sort of sort of difficult to begin with, and that's why they wanted to do this, is that they wanted more land so they'd have a better opportunity to place a house. Not that they want to fill up all the lots, but they, they need an opportunity to have room to go. Again, I'm speculating. I don't know, because it's not my property. Um, I still, I, I think it's interesting, I haven't thought about that, but this still is, it's not their property, it's public property, and they can build on it? Not now. If it's right away, they I can. I mean, but if it's vacated, they, yes. they could build on it. Because that releases the public interest. But it's still not their property. So yes, it will become their property. So it, it, it just kind of, re, is it a reversion, or it's just always been a public uh, right away for a long, 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 long when, time? When this development was platted, it's it, been that way it was platted as a street right away. And whenever you have a, a right-of-way vacation, that public interest is, is vacated. And then there becomes a, a, a lot configuration that, that shows all of that in private ownership. So as, as, as Mr. Harrington noted, if you look to the area, uh, it would be to the, to the north, the right-of-way has already been vacated up uh, north of the okay. I don't want to apologize for Councillor Tom getting educated here because this is interesting. Um, because we did, we've entertained a vacation before, and I had sort of the same assumption that the property was actually belonged to them, but the city had 
uh, kind of taking the rights in reserve. Um, and then we were just giving the property back to the homeowners. And what you're saying is that's not true. And Mr. Farrar's argument now becomes more interesting to me because if we're willing to give them a, that much property to use for <coughs> less than a thousand bucks, do you have something to say? Yeah. Sir? Councilman Brownson, when you, when you buy a piece of property, if you're adjacent to a street, you actually own fee title to the middle of the street. The city, however, has a, a right-of-way, like an easement, over that. So you can't do anything on that property that would interfere with the easement, that would interfere with the utilities that can go there or, or cars. In this situation, there is no issue with that because utilities are never going to go in there, and there's never going to be a street there. At least that's what public works is telling us. So the question is whether the city has any need to continue to have that easement over this property that's owned by the adjacent property. And so the property is owned by the adjacent yes. property. Yeah, the, the property is not the city's to sell on market value. I mean, in terms of the price, um, you know, in terms of market value, I mean, it's, uh, you know, that question. Um, you know, the, Mr. Harrington, you know, with the 10% is, I want to make sure that that's not in code, that that's actually policy. I, I haven't seen it in code, but I know it's been policy since I've been here. Um, and you keep in mind, I mean, this is not a property sale. This is a vacation of a right-of-way. That's all we're doing is vacating the right-of-way, not selling it. Right. Well, if the city has assessed this property and determined if can foresee no future use of that right-of-way for any purpose, then I, I would suggest that the city ought to vacate it. I have one more question. What is the process? Let's say, hypothetically, we agree to vacate the property, and then the owners do submit a development proposal for a home. What happens as far as making sure that the land is stable? Um, in that case, the, the building department, for, for the home, the house, the building, the building department would require a geotechnical report or a, a geotechnical engineering report. And then for the um, utility improvements, driveway, and that kind of stuff, the engineering department would want to see one too. We usually can you know, get together and discuss the need for one, but it's in the slide area. It's all the What, and Councilor, to be able to give maybe a little bit more detail. So. Um, there is um, mapping which is done of known hazard slide areas and what triggers the review with a, a geotechnical analysis is if there is, if that lot is within that, that mapped area or within a hundred foot um, uh, radius of the known area, that's what triggers the actual review. Um, and still, with the building official, they're going to have to ensure, you know, because there are steep slopes, there, um, you know, there would be review and of ensuring that um, adequate footings and foundations are in place. Thank you. Well, I appreciate your indulgence since we are new. We're learning as we go along. Um, I just wanted to ask Mr. Heron. I think you said there are mature trees on the property. Is that correct, or did I? Um, I don't recall. Um, we defer to the property nearby. Is it? Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. I, I guess then uh, my question would be: If we were to vacate the property, would the, the
then owners, um, uh, let's suppose they didn't want to build anything, would they be able to just avoid it? Yes, there is no tree cutting ordinance in the city. And I wonder what that would do to the stability of mm. that area. That comes into review, correct, Mr. Harrington, if there's grading and erosion control, and it comes into those types of, of issues. Yeah, but de depending how, how the tree cutting is done, it might trigger grading and erosion control permit. So that, that's a good point. Our, some cities have tree ordinances where you cannot cut a tree over over a certain size, usually six inches, what I've seen, without a development proposal in place. And the purpose of that is to create a situation where you can't have cleared lands and just sit there. But we don't have Would anyone care to make a motion? And just to recall, uh, this is consideration as to whether to hold a first reading of the ordinance. Um, if um, there was a first reading, this would be brought back to your next uh, council meeting for a second reading. But this is the only public hearing. That's correct. Well, I'd like to make a motion to vacate the portion of the right away. 26 feet northwest of Harrison, abutting adjacent underbelt lots, fat lots, tax lots, 80909CC02301 and 80909CC04. Second. Any further discussion? Um, yes, I, I have some reservations about this. The trees could be logged. Um, if we approve this ordinance, if, is that correct? Well, the, the, the trees could be cut on the individual lots already. Okay. They can be cut on, they can be cut on easement too. We don't control Okay, them. all right. Yeah. I have some reservations about this in general, but I'm going to have faith that the uh, public works process and review would take care of them if there is a de development proposal brought before the city. So there's a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All opposed? No. Uh, Ms. Brooks, could we have a. Uh, <laughs> I just caught you in transit, I'm sorry. <laughs> we've, uh, we've had a, a four eyes and a nay for the motion to hold the reading. Could you uh, please read the title of the ordinance? An ordinance granting the vacation of a portion of the right of way on 26th Street. Northwest of Harrison, abutting adjacent undeveloped lots, tax lots 80909CC02301 and 80909CC04101. Thank you. Item 6B is a second reading ordinance readopting certain state statutes to reflect changes made by the 2018 Oregon Legislature. So the first reading of this ordinance was held at your last meeting on January 7th. And again, the 2018 legislation passed by the Oregon legislature, for the most part, became effective on January 1st. Many of our city ordinances refer or incorporate state statutes. Every year, as a routine matter, the city readopts all reference Oregon revised statute sections to pick up any changes. It's recommended the council hold a second reading and adopt the proposed ordinance. 
And just a reminder, you don't need a motion to have the second reading. You would just need a motion to adopt after the second reading is held. Thank you. Council discussion. Could we have a second reading of the ordinance? An ordinance readopting certain state statutes. Could we have a motion? I move we adopt the proposed ordinance. I'll second. Roll call. Uh, Mr. Williams. Councilor Herman? Aye. Councilor Brownson? Aye. And Councilor Rocket? Aye. Councilor West? Aye. Mayor Jones? Aye. Item 6C, Scandinavian Heritage Park lease with Newport Pacific Corporation. At the December uh, 17th, 2017 council meeting, the council approved a memorandum of agreement with the Astoria Scandinavian Heritage Association for construction of park improvements on the People Places Park. And the memorandum of agreement specifies that the uh, Scandinavian Association would be responsible for construction of the park facilities and for continued maintenance of the park after it's completed. The park designs were approved by the council in December of 2018, and the main entrance of the park, including that design, would be from the north, accessed via the river trail. This access would cross a parking area owned by Newport Pacific Corporation, uh, which is also known as Moe's Seafood and Chowder. The uh, staff have been working with Bob Skull, who is Moe's regional manager on a proposed lease, for two of their parking spaces to allow a handicapped accessible access walkway from the river trail to the new park entrance. Mr. Skull has agreed that uh, the, uh, to lease those spaces to the Scandinavian Association of the City in return for maintaining a view corridor from Marine Drive through the park toward the Moe's building. It's recommended that Council authorize the Mayor to sign the lease with the Scandinavian Association and Newport Pacific for the use of the two parking spaces. I would note that we have representatives uh, here in the audits from the Astoria Scandinavian Heritage Association and also Rosemary Johnson who has uh, done the negotiations on behalf of the parties. If there are any questions? Council discussion? I have a question. What does it mean for the city to maintain a view corridor? Yeah. Jimmy, maybe if you want to go to the exhibit. Rosemary Johnson, 672 15th Street, planning consultant for the city. <clears throat> Excuse me. When we looked at the park design, uh, there are some natural areas where the trees are open and the new park is going to be uh, established. Mose uh, off skull has requested that when you're driving down or walking Marine Drive, he was hoping to have some view through the park so that people could see that his business was back there behind all of the trees. Um, with the negotiations, we came up with the idea that the two view quarters from Marine Drive to view his building would be naturally there with the design. So there's no additional design of the park. However, with this lease, we are agreeing that Astoria Scandinavian Heritage Association will, with the assistance of landscape and tree, you know, arborists, 
will maintain those trees cut back so that the view is still there for a minimum of five years. Eventually trees are going to grow bigger, but at least for five years they will trim the trees for those two quarters. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's great that you worked out a nice agreement. Um, it sounds like everybody gets what they want and nothing's really impacted except that we have good access to the park for uh, handicap. So, thank you. You have a comment? Uh, really, it sounds like a win-win. Great. Can we have a motion for this? Well, if I can word it, I'll make the motion. Um, I move that we approve the Scandinavian Heritage Park lease with Newport Pacific Corporation. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Item 6D, Larson request to cut trees on city property. So Mary Ann Larson submitted an application to cut permission or to, for permission to cut trees on city-owned property and this is actually um, lots that the city owned different than what we were talking about earlier which was was right away this city-owned property is to the northwest of the Larson's and Jimmy there should be an exhibit there um, Ms. Larson obtained uh, the signature of uh, agreement from Richard Sepper who is an adjoining property owner However, Mr. Pluckow, who is also an adjoining property owner, was not in favor of getting the trees and declined this to sign. I'll also note that they provided testimony um, to the council regarding their opposition. Uh, this work is being done on a lot that is within a known slide zone. The adjacent property owner, Mr. Seppa, had a geological evaluation of the adjacent city lot for tree trimming done in May of 2011. We relied on this report and confirmed with the author uh, Horning Geosciences that the report would be applicable to this proposal. So in general terms, the conclusion of the report is that the landslide risk on this property is controlled by reduced soil strength caused by rainfall saturation, not by lost tree root strength. So uh, this uh, item is being brought forward to you for consideration tonight. There are two recommended uh, conditions uh, if council were to approve it. And so based upon the information provided, staff recommends that the request to cut trees on city property be considered by the city council this evening. Council discussion. Well, I guess it's my understanding these trees have been cut many times in the past and they are not mature trees. They're, I think some people would call them tweeds. Um, it, it does bring up the issue of, of view, however, and uh, this probably has nothing to do with approving this or not, but we respect you, we honor you, sometimes. Sometimes we tell people that they have no right to their view. Just a thought. I had a question. Um, it, it did mention that these trees have been, it sounds like it's more of a thinning rather than um, cutting down the area. So it's just, do we know how many trees? Mr. Harrington. Yeah, in the, um, in the memo there's a rough idea. Um, okay. 
But it's most of those maples you can, you can see them in the, um, in the picture there. It's I, the smaller. Okay. I actually walked by there a couple times. It's right down from my house just to get a kind of a better idea. Um, I, I'm just wondering if it's, uh, if what's being proposed is the same as what's been done in the past or if there's additional trees. Because that whole line along Irving, I mean, it is kind of, there are a lot of maples there and when I originally read it, um, I had to read it again to make sure that it wasn't just a bunch of trees being cut out of one section for someone's view. But again, it does sound like it's been done before and that it is just a few trees and kind of a thinning. So if there's any clarification around. Yeah, the application is for 12 multi-stem maples. For 12, okay. Um, we can verify that. Uh, the other higher counts are very Yeah, I saw that. I guess I was just wondering if it was going to be the same, if it was approved, if this was going to be the same as how it was cut before. If, if that was one of the, I didn't see that as one of the conditions as far as how many were going to be cut. Are you the Larsons? Would you like to speak? Well, my name is uh, Cohen. Sure. Yeah, I'm uh, Richard Seppa, I live at 2904 Irving Avenue. Uh, and I was a, I purchased from the county, if I might walk over here, uh, property, uh, this property here. Uh, let's see where we are here. Oh, okay, here's Mary Okay, yeah, this is my property right here, 2904 Irving Avenue. And this is the property I bought an auction uh, from the county. Uh, in September of 2017, it's in the slide zone area. It had been vacated to the city, or it had been vacated to the county in 1955, 1956, and 1957, when there was principally a lot of sliding going on up in here. Um, I had the geological assessment by Gene Horning, who is the, probably the best known geologist in the area who worries about earthquakes and tsunamis and all sorts of things of concern to the public. And before we bought this property in 2001, we had a geological assessment, and he made the, he approved uh, our purchase and said that there was no evidence of slides occurring from tree cutting activities um, yeah, in this report and, and uh, ever. And in 1990s, 1980s, the uh, state came up with a similar assessment. So uh, we bought this property in this home with the understanding that uh, there wouldn't be any damage associated with some tree trimming. And this identical property was approved for trimming in 1994 in a much larger area. Uh, 2011, 2017, other properties in this area down here beyond the bridge have been approved for trimming and cutting in the past. The eight multi-stem trees that we're talking about were approved specifically for us in 2017 by Mr. Baden, who is a geologist retained by the city, and by Mr. Horning. So uh, there's been at least cutting of these trees five times in the past. And for Mrs. Larson, this opened up a little bit of a review of the uh, Columbia River Bridge. So uh, there isn't any geological issue. 
And I, when I, I brought the application to these folks here, this is their property here. There are trees throughout this entire area. And I think if you really looked at it, the trimming that we're proposing in this area here would not open up a view that would be disadvantageous to the, to the uh, folks up here who have some concern being able to see a parking lot in the winter months uh, of Safeway. So in any event, there's no geological issue or slide issue, and there's actually no real view issue, in my uh, opinion, that can contribute. These folks came from California, and they don't like tree trimming, and that's understandable. And uh, But in any event, we don't think there's any view issue or any legitimate geological issue that should block it. And we went along with the county. The county approved it, blocked the property, and arrived at the same decision. So, Thank you. And I guess as a general principle, I'm sympathetic to homeowners who have a, a view and uh, if saplings and suckers from cut trees on city property are growing to obscure their view, I'm sympathetic to the, uh, they're requesting permission at their expense to, to cut the saplings and suckers, it's, which would be very different in my view if there was an established a mature adult tree they were asking to cut that had been there blocking their view all along. But if they have a view and the view is essentially taken by the growth of saplings and scrub and uh, suckers, which you know the branches that spring up from previous cuts are suckers. And uh, so I, I'm sympathetic to the uh, interest to cut. Yeah, I don't have an issue with it. I, I went and looked at kind of the general area too. And uh, um, if they cut these 12, they'll be back. Yeah. And it'll be in front of another council. Again. It won't affect the same root systems, by the way. And so I'm okay with this. So just the trees are being cut, the root systems are not being removed. Right. And you said the trees to be cut, thank you, Mr. Seppo. Yeah. The trees to be cut are northwest of your property. Um, right. right. And, uh, yeah, they're down the hill, and the city owns all of this vacated property down there uh, that the county, this, that they recently sold, but the remainder is owned by the city. And it's the city that owns most of the trees that could arguably um, affect um, the applicant or the uh, people who have some concerns about it. And I bought the property, and I've known the property for years. The previous owner approved cutting. The people that are uh, north of Harrison, below the property, have all signed off. We had them to sign off on this proposal, but the city determined that they didn't need them because they were located on the other side of Harrison Street, even though that's like 250 feet down from where our property is located. So in any event, yeah, that's the story. And is it the same trees that are growing yeah. back? Yeah, and as a matter of fact, in 1994, the first permit that was approved down there was much more extensive than this one. And there's never been any slide activity in that area since 1955, 56, 57, and almost all of that was well to the west 
and the property we're talking about. Okay, thank you. Um, what erosion control measures might the city deem necessary, if there were any? What we'll do in this case is uh, send one of our inspectors out there, one of our engineering technicians, to monitor the work and he'll check in periodically. But um, usually erosion control is associated with the activity, so how they access it to do it. In this case here, if they were, if they were just walking in and, and chainsawing and dropping the place, there wouldn't be the, the truck traffic or the uh, traffic. So it should, should be much. Okay. I am sympathetic um, with the owners who do not want this cutting. I, I can understand why they wouldn't want to see a parking lot or Safeway, but I don't see how they'd see Safeway if the cutting is going northwest of 29th Street, Safeway Z. So anyway, um, I don't blame you for wanting more light and a view. Well, I do want to make a motion um, to allow the applicant uh, applicants request to cut the trees uh, on this particular uh, property. I'll second that. I, I was hesitant at first, and again, I live right down the street from you guys, um, but after visiting the property and uh, um, just knowing the, the good work that Public Works does, I feel like you guys have really done your research and are really familiar with the land um, and the fact that this has been done multiple times before and it's not disturbing the root system. I'll second that. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All opposed? Item 6E, agreement with Astoria Scuba for Astoria Aquatic Center. Um, this is an agenda item that uh, materials were, uh, were finalized today and that uh, it took a little bit of more time to be able to uh, put together a memorandum of agreement between Astoria Scuba uh, and the city of Astoria. And Astoria Scuba and Adventure Sports has held a long-standing relationship in utilizing the Aquatic Center to provide dive certification and training. Uh, there was an incident involving glass breakage on the deck of the pool in the spring of 2018, which created a situation where staff was instructed to strictly enforce a no-glass policy within the facility. Uh, the strict enforcement included glass goggles and masks which may break and impact the safety within the facility. Um, Astoria Scuba had approached uh, city staff uh, to be able to reconsider um, in that the masks that they use uh, with their training is tempered glass masks. And one of the uh, items that I asked our new district, Tim Williams, to take on Upon him coming here was to dive into this issue. We, um, <laughs> we've been able to uh, been able to uh, uh, gather a lot of information uh, to be able to provide to Mr. Williams between Susan Brooks and myself in terms of and and also John Dark Clay. But I was really needing someone to be able to look at this um, and be able to uh, provide a recommendation in moving forward. And what has uh, come of those discussions um, is uh, to develop a memorandum of agreement between the city and Astoria Scuba, uh, which would allow for uh, the use of tempered glass masks within the facility 
Um, and um, it would also include a scope of work um, which would memorialize the need for insurance, uh, which actually has been provided, um, the city of Astoria has been provided as an additional insured by Astoria Scuba already, but this provides the memorialization of that requirement. Um, and if there was some sort of um, incident, what to do in that, in that case. Um, staff is, uh, is comfortable uh, with this proposal, and we were able to finalize the agreement uh, with Asteroid Scuba this morning. So that was the, um, the delay in being able to get this uh, moving forward. And there was a desire to try and get this on this, this city council meeting uh, so that classes could continue um, at the Astoria Aquatic Center rather than um, having to go elsewhere for training. So it's recommended that the city council approve the memorandum of agreement with Astoria Scuba and Adventure Sports for the use of CEEN 250 tempered glass dive masks within the aquatic center while conducting dive certification and training. And um, Mr. Williams is available to answer any questions. Well, I'd just like to uh, commend and thank Mr. Williams for taking on as one of his first tasks with the city and negotiate an extensive agreement with Astoria Scuba and Adventure Sports. And uh, it looks to me like, I mean, we have considered every potential risk to the city and achieved indemnification of the city and uh, a guaranteed reimbursement by Astoria Scuba of any expenses that would be borne if there were an accident with the So, nice job. Yeah, good work. I, I just like it. As a diver, I understood the, 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 the dilemma. The dive mask that divers use, the timber glass in them, it's tough stuff. It's hard to break. When it does break, it's not dangerous. Uh, and if a diver under direction breaks one in the pool, they're actually pretty capable of cleaning it up since they're, they're under anyway. So, and uh, Astoria Scuba has cleaned up glass situations in the pool for other people, uh, cause, not caused by them, uh, just as a, a service. So I, I appreciate um, you being able to work this out and uh, help our local businesses be able to uh, be, you know, because their choice is to go to Seaside and it's travel time and, uh, you know, we want to support our local businesses and not be punitive when it's not necessary. So I appreciate it. Thank you. I think the tempered glass uh, satisfies the safety concerns, and, and uh, I wouldn't. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Item 6F Temporary Federal Employee Penalty and Waiver Fee Waiver Program. So the city of Astoria has recognized that the partial government shutdown, which began in December, has created some challenges for furloughed and working federal employees who are not receiving paychecks. To provide some relief and peace of mind during this period, staff has compiled a temporary penalty and fee waiver program for city water and sewer buildings for council consideration. This proposal is to waive the late penalty and interest charges and to forego sending out shutoff notices holding the service billing until such time the shutdown is resolved and federal government employees are able to receive their pay. It's recommended that City Council consider and approve the temporary federal penalty and fee waiver program. Discussion. 
Is there even more we can do for them? Right. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, th I, th I think it's great that we're able to, you know, this is something we should do. So I will say, I will note that, um, you know, within, you know, other departments, our parks department uh, has already uh, reached out to the Parks Foundation, uh, whereby the Parks Foundation is covering uh, the cost of, uh, of going to the aquatic center. And I understand that um, there's going to be um, an event this weekend where um, Lil Sprouts is, and is actually going to be conducting a food drive uh, for, um, for the employees. And um, there's been a group which has agreed to cover the cost of uh, childcare at Port of Play this weekend for some Coast Guard uh, employees. Am I correct, Mr. Williams? And so, you know, there, you know, there's been, I'm gonna say, very good uh, communication with representatives of, of the Coast Guard families and our various departments. Whenever there's something that's needed, we we try to be responsive. Thank you. I also I agree with Tom. I think this is. I'm really glad this was last on the agenda because it's my favorite. Um, I've been so impressed by Parks and Rec and so many other uh, entities around town who really come forward in support of um, federal employees, especially being a Coast Guard town. Um, and so I just, when I saw this on there, I thought it was really wonderful. And I think it's really fantastic what Parks and Rec is offering as well. So. I agree. This is an easy decision for us to make. Um, and if we can ease a stress of families who are not receiving paychecks right now, that's, that's great to do. And I realize it probably will be a bit more work for your department, won't it, uh, Ms. Brooks? But, but I appreciate that. It's a great thing. There are often things that happen that make me very proud of this city, this community of ours. And this is part of that continuum. I mean, the response from people donating to help out people who are unable to pay their bills to hold their own uh, has been gratifying. And this is actually just a little piece of the same, the same thing. So I also support it. Can we have a motion, please? Uh, I would I move that we, uh, that we approve the, uh, the uh, labor fees, uh, et cetera. I second that. All in favor? Aye. Opposed? So that concludes our uh, agenda, and I'll now open it up for public comment. My name is Chris Ferrara. I live at 3023 Harrison Avenue in Astoria. Um, I'm here tonight uh, kind of to give a shout out to all the volunteers that helped the city with so many tasks by sitting on commissions and committees. And I've heard it's over maybe 100 people in total that serve on these committees. And when you think about it, that's a whole lot of extra brains here that a group of you can count on for advice and ideas. And um, each of those individuals approaches things from their own point of view. And uh, the good thing is, sometimes their views are different than yours. 
and those are worth listening to. They're worth listening to more than the people that just agree with you. And the citizens of the city, likewise, really appreciate that when they hear someone stand up and give their point of view very passionately and forcefully that maybe they believe in that wasn't supported by the council for one reason or another. And I just hope that everybody appreciates that volunteer effort and that many hours of time that people spend and they have their viewpoints and they're sharing that and they're helping you to reach a better decision. And I don't think that should ever be discouraged no matter how passionately or strongly they disagree with any council member. And I had an experience myself, I don't serve on a city committee, but I serve on the uh, Plattsup County Planning Commission. And one of my first uh, votes came down to whether I would support a citizens advisory group on the South Coast. Well, I thought it was very important to have the advice of those people so far flung in our county. And yet I was advised by the county council and by the chairman of the planning commission and a number of other people that we had to disband that group. And I didn't, I didn't vote to disband it. I was the one lone vote to save that committee. And of course I lost the vote, but I was never called onto the carpet by uh, Scott Lee or anybody else on the commission. They accepted that. And I think they appreciated that I stood up for what I thought was right. Anyway, I hope the city will do the same. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Farrar. Are there any other public comments? It is uh, 7.25 p.m. and we are gonna- 8.25, the, the, the uh, hand is a little off. Anyway. That's right. <laughs> Didn't go that fast, did it? <laughs> okay, so it's 8.25, we are uh, adjourning and moving into executive session.